that good. We're gonna keep doing this till I get it right. Uh, can, can you do People the, are gonna like turn it up, oh, yeah. and then it's gonna be like, so <laughs> annoying. Let's do the whole. Well, let's thing. do everybody get really everybody get really close to the mic, and let's do the seventies late night DJ voice, Stephen. You're listening to the Night Circus. <laughs> For those of you who have Wait. Almost Famous, The Untitled, you'll know that that's a scene that was cut out of the film, The Night Circus. I like that. Yeah. I would listen to The Night Circus. The Night Circus. I like those old time, uh, the, the midnight 70s thing. Did you ever see that movie Pirate Radio? By the way, listen to Going Off Track. <laughs> Stephen, uh, Is that Philip Jonah Hoffman Brad. in it? Yes. Uh, no, but I like him, and I remember seeing like, oh, I should watch this movie, and then never doing it. Is it, it about the boat? Yeah. Oh, I wanted to see that. You know, too. it's one of those movies where you're watching. We like, probably still can. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> those flicks where it's like, oh, it's it's fluff, it's silly, and you watch it. This is ridiculous, and then it's on again. You're like, oh, I'm gonna watch it again, and then you keep watching it and keep watching it. But they have a character on there called Midnight Mark, who's probably one of the best DJ characters I've ever seen, where he's does the late night midnight shift in the '60s, and so it cuts to him and a song ends and he just goes cool and then starts a new track and he just doesn't speak the whole time and he gets all the chicks <laughs> in the whole thing uh, Mike uh, who left us to do a producing job at NBC left us again to work for Nickelodeon hey. and, which is actually really awesome hopefully this thing will uh, be amazing and speaking of left I wasn't here for this episode oh yeah this was a first I was working which is I was working in an office, which is not normal for me, but I briefly had to, and it's hard to leave for two hours in the middle of the day. And how did you? And how did, and you got? But you got out of having to work in an office. Yeah, luckily, due to some kind of corporate type structure stuff, I had to do the job at home. Which be, be honest, I heard you were spending too much time at the water cooler. <laughs> Chatting up the ladies. Apparently, you can only spend so much time at the water cooler chatting up ladies yeah, before. Not all day. They say you have to. We're going to keep paying you. Go home and work, and we'll pay you there. Yeah. So listen, things are fine. I have plenty of work. In case you're concerned on how I'm able to show up here every week normally, I just you know it's all about balancing my schedule. It really it's all about balance. But I, I am bummed I missed this one because I. Our guests were Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids mm-hmm. and our friend Mike Dubin. Mike Dubin, who I, he's one of those guys that has been in the scene for years. He's produced records, he's gone on tour with bands, and he has a great relationship with the Get Up He has a great relationship with a lot of people, but he has a great relationship with the Get Up Kids. And uh, we talk about that during the show. And, and Mike actually was the first podcast I ever did, was Mike's old podcast. Really? Yeah, it was called Lunch. It was very, very silly. Mm, it's a good name. Yeah, it was a good one. And it was just, they did it at lunch. <laughs> and that was why. Mike, uh, yeah, Mike is an awesome guy. And Mike is so ahead on technology. It's like the joke I always make about Mike is like, <clears throat> he'll like post something. I'm like, Mike probably posted this with like an iPhone 8. Yeah. <laughs> like he probably has it. Like it hasn't been invented yet, but he has it somehow. He is the kind of guy that'll wait in line yeah. for an iPhone. And it's... Or he'll get it like two weeks before everyone else waits in line. Oh, yeah, and, and then he'll be like, how do you have the book? <laughs> he and he also he's a big uh shoe collector and he's got a great collection of vinyl toys and he i can't sell anything on ebay i'm awful the first time i tried to sell something on ebay it ended up costing me money and i didn't sell anything <laughs> it literally cost me 80 bucks i was very confused <laughs> so i asked mike how do you sell how do you sell things successfully on ebay and he went put up shit people want <laughs> yeah it's rule like, number one uh, it's like, damn it. Well, I feel like the problem is like the stuff that I want, usually people don't, other people don't want. 
like that, like that hate beak seven inch, (laughs) 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 which I tried to sell and no one will buy. Really? See, that's the kind of stuff, the real niche stuff is what I thought would go. It's got to be really limited though. Like if it's something, if there's like a lot of copies floating around, that makes it hard. That's like the annoying thing about comic books is that, you know, in the, in the, the boom and then blew up the market 80s. If it said collector's item on the cover, you knew not to buy it. Right. But then they would have, you know, something completely random that, well, you know, had a low distribution. But how would you know that? Because you don't know how many are sent out to the stores. Right. That's the one that got jumped up. But as soon as it said limited, I don't know. I, I think it's like all marketing plays. It's like I, I was with a buddy of mine and we went to, um, remember Tang Records on Melrose? Yes. yes. We walked in and he looked up at the wall and he went, I'm going to go throw up because I like gave all those records away. Right. <laughs> and they're worth how much? Well, I remember with baseball cards too, like towards the end of when I was collecting them, like there was a brand where it would be like times 10 or times 100. And it was supposed to be like the value was like 10 times more or 100 times more because they wrote. And it was like, I don't think it works that way. You can't just <laughs> say like, but people sort of believed it. So maybe it sort of worked. But yeah, that whole thing, like creating that kind of demand and value is such a weird because even money itself, like if, since we're off the gold standard, like how do you, how is that even worth anything really? If you really think about it, it's marketing and everyone just agrees to it. Yeah, it was, uh, I can't remember, I guess I was listening to um, This American Life, which I really enjoyed until I realized half these stories are depressing and I'm just getting sad, so I'm going to chill out on it for a bit. <laughs> yeah. No offense, Ira, please come on the podcast. Um, but they talked about inflation in Brazil and these economists and one economist said, oh, money is just fiction. It is for sure. Like, the only stuff that's worth anything actually is quarters, I think, and nickels before 1965 still right. have actual silver in them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like early pennies, you can, you used to be, not they're all cards, but you used to be able to take an, an old penny and scrape it and stick it into a meter and the meter would think it's a dime just by rubbing the edges, you know, certain old pennies. But that that's just, that's a fascinating concept of how things are worth something. You can take money, which is worth something. But as it gets older, it's worth more. I don't, it makes no sense to me. Well, once the financial collapse happens, it won't matter. We are recording this in a bunker. It has happened. It has happened. The dead You can are... hear us. The dead are knocking at your door. <laughs> the world door. economy has collapsed. <laughs> we can't tell you where we are because we only have enough beer for <laughs> me. China wanted us to pay up our debt, so we just got a bunch of beer. <laughs> Hold up in the studio, and uh, we're just going to see what happens. It's all there behind the tiki bar. Damn it. Today's guest, Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids in New Amsterdam's, and he brought along with us, with him, our good friend Mike Dubin. It turned out to be loads of fun, which we knew it would be. It's going we have on the show today Matt Pryor of the Get Up Kids New Amsterdam's, who I've met before, and the way I've met him is from a gentleman to my left, one of my dear, dear friends who I haven't seen in a long time, Mr. Mike Dubin. Who is responsible for my first podcast experience? That's true. You were on lunch. It was called Lunch. Yeah. And it was done with one of my other bestest friends, Mr. Eric Feldman. That dude rules. Who uh, they did this fabulous podcast. And I went in once and uh, right in the middle of it, Mr. Mike Dubin goes, "Uh, This isn't funny and it's not working, so we should just stop. (laughs) Uh, I probably did that. Yes. And uh, we also have um, uh, Mr. Michael Kanjemi, host of Going Off Track, back 
after yes. a long absence of oh working for NBC. During New Year's Eve. But thanks for wearing a tie. I did. I wore it for today for you. You and can pull for, off a white shirt and a tie. I guess most people can, but that one has zippers on I it. I sort of feel like a waiter, too. Yeah. You know, it's a little mm-hmm. waitery. Kind of bondage waiter. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the zippers. The zippers. <laughs> I was kind of going for bondage. If those zippers waiter. open up and it's just your nipples, then that's a fabulous shirt. <gasps> yeah. Those would be in the best place ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little high for the nipples, I think. So, I have to apologize because <laughs> my voice is really rough. You're, you were on You were on tour. We have it only for two days. Yeah, but still, <laughs> that's how you do it. Uh, and the tour is two for the road. Mm-hmm. And it's you and me and James Duis. Ah, that gentleman. But here's the thing: it's only two shows, but you're playing over an hour and a half a night, and it's real stripped down. So don't justify well, yeah, no, his voice. It's, it's more no, just I'm, the, I'm I'm sticking up for him. Dude. All right, <laughs> it's just oh. building it back up. Now uh, we had um, in in keeping with our we'll call it. Um, our Get Up Kids theme. We had Mr. Rob Pope on. I listened to that a while back. Uh, tons of fun. Uh, you are from Kansas as well. I was born in Missouri. I live mm-hmm. in on the Kansas side now. I live in Kansas. Where in Missouri? Kansas City. Okay. Yeah. Right on. I lived in St. Louis, so that's like my only frame ah. of reference for Missouri. And I lived there on and off for like a year or two when I was but a wee babe. So I can say about it. Um, so when did you move over to the Kansas area? Uh, when we started touring. My wife was going to school in Boston. I lived in Boston for a little bit. And then when we got married, I had convinced her to move to Lawrence, Kansas. And because that's where all of our friends were. And the Get Up Kids were basically based out of Lawrence at that point anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, stayed there and started a family. So that's why we were there. How long have you been married? Tw- 12 years. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Sorry, Park. I had to think about it for a second. Nah, it's it's a, my wife's birthday today, too, which is... Oh, you know. that's awesome. Way to plan that tour. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Ellis. <laughs> Wanted hey, to I do wanna... it last week. <laughs> yeah, cool. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> After a while, birthday. No, isn't the inauguration on Monday? Is that why? Yeah. And so, like, what we're playing in Baltimore. A, we're playing in Baltimore the day the Patriots and the Ravens play. And it's the day before the inauguration. So it's, like, just all sorts of... Real great. One of those was a sports reference, so I didn't quite follow. But <laughs> it's a American style football. Oh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, now you, so you grew up in Missouri. Uh, yeah, Kansas City. All right, on. And when did you start playing? I started playing music uh, sixth grade, maybe. Like oh, wow. Playing drums and stuff, and then uh, played my first show when I was fifteen. Oh wow! Yeah. Jeez, that's wow. Okay. If you want to call it a show, it was in a basement. Real well, that's a good show then. Yeah. How many people uh, were at this basement? It was a party, so like 30 maybe. Oh, right on. Was it originals, covers? Was It It was originals because we weren't good enough to play <laughs> covers. And I played drums half the time and guitar half the time. And then we'd switch the drummer and I would. Oh, that's cool. Back no, that. it was pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> the band was called Take a Joke. Wow. Yeah. There's a cassette floating around there somewhere. Really? Dubin probably has it. I don't. You have everything. I have a lot of stuff. This man has the unreleased quicksand record. Yeah. What? Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. I got tickets, by the way. Are you, oh, you did? You're 30th or the yeah, 31st? No, 30th. We're going to hang out. Are we? All right. Oh, this is good. We could probably go together. Let's do it. All right. Oh, that's right. You're both um, Jerseyans. Yeah, yeah. We're, he uh, lives above <clears throat> where the only five guys I've ever seen close is. Yep. And why did that close? I don't know. There were some shady things that happened, and they blamed five guys, I think. Mm. They were like a big, there was a big conspiracy against five guys. I've never had five guys. It's delicious. Oh, it's good. It's yeah. the, it's, burgers, right? Yeah, yeah, it's basically East Coast in and out 
when my wife was mm. pregnant, I was more of the pregnant lady, and I ate a lot of Five Guys. Yeah, it's okay. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, nothing wrong with that. No, you had sympathy. Total food cravings. Pregnancy. Yeah, she, she wanted to. My wife baby. was like, she was fine. She's like, oh, you're a fat pregnant lady, and I was like, I really am. So that's a good segue for now because for the first time since we started the podcast, Mr. Jonah Bear is not here with us today. Uh, he is off. With this is the first time ever. The first time ever. He's doing some writing. Game. Well, he and I don't speak. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> what yeah. happened between you I'd, two? I don't want to talk about it. And Jonah, It's just, you know, it was a long time ago and we should really just sit down and hash it out. But Here's the best part. All kidding aside, Jonah's probably going, crap, what did I say? <laughs> did I write something? <laughs> Shit. Uh, what? But with... Um, <clears throat> With Brad here, who's frantically typing. Yeah, I'm here. This is, I think, our first all dads podcast. Oh shit! Can, should we should we yes. just ignore these guys and you fucking talk all the bullshit that drives Jonah crazy? It can finally it can finally devolve into parenting. Um, but Matt, but Matt, you've got you have three children, correct? Yeah. And what are the ages again? Six, eight, and ten. See that that's like. Like you're super dad to me. Yeah. He's intense. This is what impressed me. He's at the point now where he can leave the kids home. They can go out of the house, mm-hmm. and the oldest one will watch the other ones. That's awesome. I yeah, I can't even. He my mind doesn't wrap around. It. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. started. We started young. So how old were you when you got married? Uh, we got married in 2000, and um, uh, I don't know, 12 years ago. So <laughs> do the math. 24. That is young. <clears throat> yeah. That's like my parents when they got married, you know, back well, in the day. Uh, I, I, I am your father, actually. <laughs> okay, then you owe me a lot in therapy. <laughs> the next Quite a episode bit. of Going Off to... Track. It's a special episode. I didn't make any mom banging jokes there either. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, that's very good. I don't know. Wow. Wow, so the whole time. So uh, when did the Get Up Kids start? 1995. 1995. So the band had been, you know, run for a bit before you guys got married. Yeah, I, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually got engaged at backstage at the Bowery Ballroom here in New York. That's awesome. In awesome. 1999. Uh, yeah, so. The second going off track guest to get engaged at the Bowery Ballroom. Who was the first? Who was the first? Mr. Rusty Pistachio. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. Got engaged downstairs in the basement. Trish was standing right there. We didn't there talk about that, though, right? We didn't no, talk about I didn't that. even know that. No, no yeah, yeah, we didn't Trish talk was about like, that. what's happening? Why is Rusty on one knee? <laughs> <laughs> no, shit. You, yeah, isn't that crazy? Right on, but see, backstage just sounds much cooler back there. It's my favorite yeah. venue in the city. It's really romantic. I, I love that. I haven't played there in a while. I think last time was with Kevin in like 2008. That was a fun show. Did they still do like rock shows at Bowery? Because I thought yeah. they weren't for a while. They mm-hmm. weren't doing like punk yeah. rock shows for Quick a while. Quicksand played there. Yeah, they yeah. played there. Really? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of old dudes moshing there. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ellis tells you what he wants to get you in the rooms yeah, he wants. Yeah, <laughs> How um uh so uh, you got married? How many records did the band put out by the time you guys got married? Two. Well, two, two and EPs and stuff like that. Because we got married in two thousand and let's see something right home about came out in ninety nine. When did Eudora come out? Two thousand one. Uh, we put that together on the Weezer tour. We started going through. That was stuff. in two thousand. Yeah, that was two thousand one. Okay. So maybe two thousand two even. No, it would have been two thousand one because <clears throat> Wire came out in two thousand and two. Yeah, so the end of He's the kind of the Get Up Kids historian sometimes. This is the film. Dubin's a historian of many, many bands and things. Um, how, what is, because I heard about, I was, I got on, I got on late to the Get Up Kids. In fact, I think, I, you know, it was one of those bands that I, really? <laughs> mm-hmm. I was, I wasn't even really present in the first four or five years. <laughs> I remember reading about the band and the name was always out there, but you can't listen to everything, even though people are like, it's awesome. Like, it's, it's, for me, it's, 
music is a lot like television. Pretty sure I'll probably like that show Girls on HBO, but I just don't have enough room on the DVR or time to watch it. So I'll just assume it's awesome. There's this thing called On Demand. You don't have to actually record it. No, no, it's cool. I'm glad that you put us on the back burner for so long. (laughs) No, because when I put you on the front burner, (laughs) I had you... You know what? I have a kid. You have a kid? You have kids, right? I got kids. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I got big dogs, too. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll double your moment here. I've only seen you play once. Where? <laughs> Where did I see him play, Mike? My first wedding? Yeah. <laughs> so the funny thing about that is... So in 2004, I was super, super burnt, and I, I needed a break. And instead of taking a break, I quit the band. And... We had already committed to play at Mike's wedding. <laughs> so they're like, we're not doing that. And I'm like, the fuck you're not doing it. It's Dubin's wedding. And uh, so, yeah, we were all down at Mike's wedding and really drunk and really mad at each other. And it well, was, You just hung out with me pretty yeah. much. That was funny. Yeah. It was a wonderful Then set. we did a whole dashboard tour. We had yeah. broken up and we still did like a seven-week tour because we had already committed to it. Wow. Well, you basically told them you didn't want to do it, but you gave them a year to... No, I just said I didn't want to do it, and then it was kind of like, well, we're already committed to this. And so, but if you quit a band and then you keep playing gigs, is like, is it like, like breakup it's a, sex? It's like a good after vibe. you've broken up with a chick, how the sex gets better? No, it's more. That's called hate fucking, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's it. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to use that term. It... <laughs> no, it's more just that. Like it's. Uh... It's hard to explain. It, we weren't really speaking to each other very much, except at the end of the night, and then we were yelling at each other a lot. And so it was. It's nothing like hate sex. No. Then. <laughs> well, well, let, well, let's rewind. So the it's band just miserable. What, what, led, what led to that point of you being? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm done right now. Uh, we've been touring for ten years. I had a, my fir- my daughter and my second kid on the way, and. Uh, we it, it was just we did this like rigorous touring schedule when our record guilt show came out where we were going to try and pack in like all the US all of Europe Japan and Australia within like a 6 month period and i was just like i was just and then we were going to do this Honda Civic tour with Dashboard mm-hmm. Professional and Thrice and i was just super burnt and i needed a break and i don't think we knew how to like communicate that none of us understood that concept that like like right now, the Get Up Kids haven't played a show in a year and a half, and we haven't been around each other at all, and it's going quite well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just sort of like if we had just done that then, but we weren't, you know, healthy enough to know that you got to when you live in a van with people mm-hmm. and you spend all your time together, you got you got to get away from them from time to time. Well, it's you know basically like a you know a five way marriage. Yeah, it's like being know? married to four really smelly guys. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you? How did the band form? Uh, Jim and I were playing in a pop punk band called Secret Dakota Ring, and Jim and Robin Ryan had been playing together. I mean, they've Robin Ryan know each other obviously they're brothers, and then they went. I think it's like kindergarten they mm-hmm. all met, and so we just started playing with, I don't know, just Kansas City, going to shows, started playing together. I don't this yeah that's about it. <laughs> so when so when the. When you started playing together, was it... Can I tell you, this is weird, because I've gotten used to being the interviewer um, on the yeah. podcast, yeah. and now like you're interviewing me, and I'm like, come on. Like, yeah. And I'm like, what are my questions? My answers aren't very good. No, not at all. Because now I'm, start- I'm trying to like not go into that. Well, let's see. 
the band actually started in 1995. You know, like <laughs> right. You know what? I it sounds fine and organic to me. It's always okay. funny yeah. when you see like like if you ever watch uh, Letterman interview Regis, <clears throat> Regis always counters with a question and changes the interview well, around. When I'm to fighting ask that David. instinct to do that now because I'm, I'm like, we should just talk to Dubin. Dubin knows everybody. Dubin does know everybody. I Dubin remember. let us stay at his ha- at his uh, his dorm room uh, on our very first tour. That's yeah. Well, no, not the first tour. First tour was Braid. That's when I met you. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, with the mineral, mineral tour. The second tour. Yeah. So basically, I met Matt. How did we meet? We met at. Um, well, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. How did you meet uh, Matt from the? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So the summer of 1997, I stayed in Baltimore. It was the one summer I didn't come home from college. And my friend Nicole had given me the first seven inch with Shorty on it, Breaking mm-hmm. Method, and uh, and I listened to the I listened to Shorty literally like thousands of times. Like I just loved that song, listened to it all the time. And then they were coming through on tour with Braid. I got really excited. I came home for the weekend, and you guys played CBs with Spaz and Monster X and Braid. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I had to be back in Baltimore. Another so I fucking go to the emo show. band from somewhere. Yeah. That's what the flyer yeah, says. Yeah. <laughs> I have that flyer still. <laughs> It's but, like, because um, it was like a hardcore show and us and Braid and Ethel Meserve like mashed together. Yeah. So it would be like, I don't know, 97A and then Ethel Meserve and then Monster X and then us and then Spa- And like the crowds would go in and out because they were like the kids that were there to see us and the kids and the rough and tumble guys that were there to yeah. see them. But the flyers they made said like Braid, more bullshit emo from the Midwest. <laughs> Get up, kids! Another fucking emo band from somewhere. It's like a '50s beach picture, like yeah. drawing of a guy and a girl, like in bathing suits mm-hmm. on the beach. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best flyers I've ever. It's a like, good flyer. It's such a like New York hardcore, yeah. like fuck you. They were strip thing. flyers. They were like these weird rectangular skinny flyers. But um, that's good. Tell them the dimensions of the flyer. Well, I said it. I didn't just do it with my hands. No, that's good. No, it no, just makes it, for really interesting it looked, shit. Um, it looked like four, it looked like this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh i was going back to baltimore i stopped at cb's when they were loading in and i bought the woodson ep and i was just like i love you guys i think i actually bought it from ryan it's like i love you guys i'm gonna go to the show in baltimore tomorrow and then you guys played baltimore in like some shitty kind of squat place the day before college park we did yeah oh i remember that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then uh then we stayed at jen lean's house she's yeah. a model now oh mm. well I went to College Park the next day, and uh, Matt and I just started bullshitting in the hallway, and we talked, and he gave me his uh, address and his beeper number. Mm-hmm. Got to have a pager. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's good. And, and a then, pager uh, and a dialer. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what a dialer Dialers is? Dialers are the best. What is a dialer? It's oh, like yeah. a... Do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a... Do you want to explain what it is? It's It allows you to, to jack the, the payphone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a... I don't know what its real purpose well, basically, is for. basically, Radio Shack used to sell a little thing that you could store your phone numbers in. Instead of having an address book, you'd go to like the payphone and you'd hold this thing up and you'd push it and it would make the tones um, for the phone number into the phone and it would dial the phone for you when there were like touch tone payphones. But people would take crystals and basically chip this little thing to make it make the sounds that coins made going into a payphone. Right. Oh, yeah. So you would just hold it up to the phone and do this thing and it'd be like, ching, 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 and it would you make free long distance calls yeah, free from the payphone. Free long distance calls. Oh. That's craziness. Uh, yeah. Dude, we did Jack Grisham. What was that band he had with the PSOL. synth player? No, oh, after. No. Oh, shit. Oh, uh, the Joy yeah. Killer. They were completely lo- loaded up with all of that shit. They had, di- they had a couple different uh-huh. versions of the dialers, and of supposedly the van was 
inundated with arms. <laughs> like under, he'd sewn stuff into the seats and, and really, God. like yeah, they were super. Wow, militant. Were, I don't know what you call it, but now you call them doomsday preppers. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't TSOL like go through a glam metal phase? Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> because yeah, that's the thing that like a lot of people like or how uh, – what's the dude from – plays in Bad Religion now was in Minor Threat. Brian Baker. He, he was in, in Junkyard. Junkyard, yes. Right. And I'm just like – because that's, that's what I got. My first music was like L.A. glam, like Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Poison. Eh. I'm with you. Um, bon Jovi, Cinderella, that was all me. Cinderella. Bon, oh, my God. Do you remember Hard and Heavy? No. It was a video magazine that I think was out of the UK, and it was uh, that era, and it's on Netflix now. And I was oh, watching really? it the other night, and some of those guys are so fucking stupid. They're like, yeah, uh, you know, we're just kind of – and then in the studio, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes warp Tour bands look like geniuses. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not that this has anything to do with it, but terms for people. Uh-huh. Someone the other day referred to all the people that stand on the stage when bands are playing as stage potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they finally named, yeah, yeah. named that. Wow, they should just call that, that a Washington, really... D.C. crowd. Yeah, stage potatoes. <laughs> That's a good name. We played this gig in Spain. We played this last, is it last year or 2010? <laughs> Stage potatoes. <laughs> we just should no longer going off track. Yeah. Stage, yeah. stage potatoes. Uh, we played this festival in in Spain like two years ago. Get Up Kids did, and like during uh, one of our songs, all these kids came on stage and they're like singing along. But it was like midway through the set, right? And they wouldn't leave after the song was over. They're just like, okay, now we're here, and it was like a wall of people. So I was trying to like, all right. Gone. And then I was just like, okay, well, I'll just stage dive together. And nothing. And so Ryan, Ryan got mad at me because he said I had to turn on my dad voice. And I was like, all right, everybody get off the stage now. Because, I mean, you couldn't finish the set. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's an awkward moment. Everybody just gets up in the middle of the set and you're like, yeah. okay, well. We're going to take a break. You're going to step on something that's going to make a sound I need not happen. Well, that's something you didn't get into with Robbie when when we started doing Get Up Kid shows again. And he had been so used to playing with Spoon, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. a totally different kind of audience. Mm -hmm. But Rob has to, Rob's very protective of his pedal board. It's Mm -hmm. a very, it's a thing of beauty, his pedal board. And he'll like stand over it. Like, I don't know. You know the guy in Thor that controls the Rainbow Bridge, the big, the big black guy. Hamdo played by Idris Elba. I'm Ed unfamiliar. Idris Elba. Yeah. That's what Robbie's like on stage. Bifrost, the the Rainbow Bridge. I don't yes. understand the reference. Continue, oh, Matt. Jesus. Well, he, on geek. <laughs> yeah. There was a place. Well, uh, Asgar was the name of a restaurant down the in street Boston from the club last night. Anyway, wow. And it was an Irish restaurant. Yeah, there were like Celtic knots all Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what Robbie's like on stage. He'll like straddle his pedal board with his bass out. And like you, you don't want to come anywhere near. Like if you're stage, you can stage dive into my microphone and hit me in the mouth. And I'll just be like, ow. But like Rob will fucking kick your ass. <laughs> Rob's deceptively strong. He's a human alien. Yeah. You never heard that one? No. Hmm. He, can, if, he could out arm wrestle any of you. He could out arm wrestle. It's man. kind of a given with this room. <laughs> I just remember one night James being really drunk in the back lounge, and me and Rob were like playing video games or something. And James wouldn't stop, and Rob's like, "Stop!" And he's like, "What?" And he's like, "Stop!" 
and he just took James and like pushed him up against the wall of the bus, like up against the back lounge. To James or to Jim? To James. Ooh. Like big time. And James was like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> but like smashed him into the window. Well, and then there's that reason that the pie fight the pie fight video never got jim's not in the pie fight video because rob smacked him in the face with a pie and he, just he said, punched him in the face basically yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're learning a lot from these stories about the relationship of the get up kids we're very uh we're all very strong-willed and opinionated and so if we don't talk about stuff and we just drink and sometimes it gets seems to make for good music though yeah that sometimes kind of, yeah <laughs> <clears throat> That kind of attitude going together. So when you were, when did the New Amsterdam's get going? Uh, Mike, yes, two thousand, I think. Two thousand. Yeah. It was you. I remember you guys got you got the first CDs on that West Coast tour that with the anniversary and stuff. The day of the Chain Reaction show. The Chain Reaction show. You guys played Chain Reaction. Is that the one that's in like the strip mall? In was, Orange yeah. County, yeah, we yeah, actually yeah. shot there. We did a we did a piece on Orange County, the which Co-Fax was going to actually take me back to something. Since I, I'm going to derail for a second, go for it. Basements. Now you said your first shows were in, were in basements, uh-huh. which a lot of people in Orange County. When we interviewed, we interviewed they a lot don't of have bands, basements. No basements. Yep. So n- they never. They were like, "What's a basement show?" Like yep. we don't. California we don't have doesn't basements. have basements. I never really thought about that, and yep. it was blew my mind because I was like, "Because the fault lines, right?" <laughs> I have no idea. What we got to have a basement in the Midwest because of the tornadoes. Yeah, right, and because you don't want your house to just move. Right, but also yeah, up California, and down, they don't coast. Coast. Yeah, They don't. Yeah, <laughs> friend of mine grew up in a trailer park, and he was afraid of ghosts. And his, his he lived with his grandparents, and they're like, "God damn it, Brandon, we don't even got a foundation. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no ghosts if there's no foundation." I don't know, man. I don't know. There's got haunted trailer That's park would amazing. be a fantastic show. That would be awesome if you could find like, dude, man, haunted trailer park. It's a trailer park on top of a graveyard. <laughs> yeah. There's someone knocking on the door. They moved the tombstones, but you didn't move the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's By the, the way, why was I allowed to see Poltergeist when I was... Me fucking too, I had, man. I had this conversation with like four people. It fucked there me was up. no reason I was old enough to see Poltergeist no. in hospital. First of all, the clown shit for under the bed thing. Well, like, the kids and I watched hu- human... Um, yeah. <laughs> Damn, I fucked up the joke. I haven't watched Human Set of <laughs> No, I was kidding. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I'm a huge horror guy, and I've never seen. I don't feel the need to watch Human Centipede. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I mean, I think the trailer's enough. I think I pretty much get the idea. Of yeah. It. yeah, that's the I whole just thing. had somebody like, explain I get it to it. me. How's it going to end? Yeah, oh, that, one of two ways. Oh, right. that way. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes no sense to me. I will say the only thing that I feel is unanswered about that is the why do it right in the first place. Like usually, if you're going to create some sort of superhuman, it's for some kind of benefit. I don't or, see yeah. what the benefit of that or, is. Yeah, or like some e- what's his evil purpose in creating the human centipede? Like I don't get it's it. It's the same reason that rich people hunt people. I guess. So. Uh, well, they are. You know, but that's still the right. most dangerous game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a challenge. You talk about it like it happens. <laughs> oh, are you saying what are you doesn't? aware of it that totally we don't know? Um, but I yeah, think. that new Am's record came out <laughs> in, in 2000. 2000, and that was the first tour we did. Was me and my wife and Dubin and his Volkswagen Golf and Hot Rod Circuit. Yeah, playing together. But the yeah, that was fun. We did the whole tour in my car. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying you got that record at the Chain Reaction on that other tour, and that was the first. That was like the first real tour I did with you guys because that was like I did two and a half or three weeks or something, Seattle down. And that was when I met Nick Talek too. Oh, okay. What made you start the New Amsterdam's? Was it the 
just stuff, you, songs you didn't want to give to the Get Up Kids, or just no, band just, frustration? Uh, or? I had started listening to a lot of like Steve Earle and other kind of like Towns Van Zant and singer songwriters like that, and I wanted to try that, and I, you know, wanted to try my hand at being a troubadour a little bit, and uh, so I did. All right on. <laughs> And then it was weird because then we made On a Wire, which is our, the more acoustic-y sounding uh, Get Up Kids record. And it was kind of like – it was almost like I had gotten that out with the new Amsterdam's, but the rest of the guys kind of had similar feelings but hadn't gotten it out yet. So does that make sense? You were like, I've already done this. Yeah. Let's go metal. Yeah. <laughs> what got you into hair metal? Uh, probably Appetite for Destruction. I love oh, Appetite. God. And that's probably, again, it was one it's of my kind of beyond hair is- metal. Yeah, but that, no, that was like one of my. I think that's. Still but it's kind of like record. the way Nirvana like, is like the gateway drug to a lot of punk rock kids. Right. You know, like I think GNR that record being as good as it is and getting as big as it did. You know, it's like an, oh really? Okay, who's Hanoi Rocks? Oh really? Okay, who's you know? And right. mm-hmm. Going back from there. All you those old days where you'd unfold the cassette and go, oh, what bands do they like? Or you'd learn from a band from a T-shirt. Uh, my yeah, subscription to Rip Magazine. Ah, <laughs> wow. Yes. I remember we all got into Faith No More because on the inside of the vinyl... Because of, of Metallica. Because of Metallica, yeah. Yeah, because he's wearing the, the Faith No More That's shirt. it, yeah. That's how I got into the Misfits was because of Metallica. Yep. That's uh, crazy, yeah. Just from the, just from the inside. From the, the shirt they were wearing. I had this thing. My mom, I went to Catholic school growing up, and when I was getting into metal, uh, I say metal in quotes, <clears throat> uh, my mom wouldn't let me wear any T-shirts that had skulls on them. So... Try and find a heavy metal T-shirt that doesn't have any skulls on it, and the only thing I could have was the theater of Motley Crue theater of pain because she didn't notice the little pentagram. <laughs> she thought it was just like comedy and tragedy. So that's overlooked the really, pentagram. Really funny. So how long did you go to Catholic school? Twelve years. Twelve years. Oh wow! All straight through. Uh, I was out for a year. Yeah, for one year. Why were you out? I went to a, a performing arts magnet school in Kansas City. Ah. But I was just doing. I was a creative writing major, mm. and uh, and there were a lot of uh, race issues because of the way it was. It had to be like sixty forty black to white, mm-hmm. and they were just it was it was it was a work in progress. The Kansas City School District is not known for being. It's not even accredited right now. I don't think really, but um, so I actually asked to go back to Catholic school. Matt's racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Was it uh, all boys Catholic high school? Or no? <clears throat> I was. Kinda, I went to an all boys Catholic high school. There's areas like that. My wife grew up outside of Philadelphia, and the public school system isn't great, so everybody just goes to private school because mm-hmm. that's just kind of how it is. I went to parochial school for four years, and then my dad was transferred to Europe, and so I was immediately thrust into Department of Defense public schools that I didn't. Under- How's that? I didn't understand what it was like till I was a substitute teacher in Los Angeles, and I got put into a school in Compton. And I walked in, I went, this is oddly familiar. <laughs> it's, it's like, well, it's pretty, pretty violent here. It takes me back. I had no idea. <laughs> Did the MPs come here too and swing billy clubs at the kids? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, was Were they allowed to hit you in school? No. Okay. no, no. Catholic school? Yeah, ours was... This is all post-Vatican II. They had just... They had just <laughs> Stupid Vatican II. <laughs> no, they would like the... We, it was like I the, like Latin. <laughs> they would throw desks at us and stuff, but they were... They, you could tell they used to be able to punch you, though, and they were like, oh, <laughs> fuck. punch you. Yeah, and it's not you didn't even have to do anything really. I, I used to fall asleep a lot. Uh, Period. Yeah, in class and stuff because I have you know issues. But like I remember, there was one brother. It was run by like Brothers of Sacred Heart and Brother Mike. He used to 
He used to like catch you sleeping. We know a brother, sleeping. Mike. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> he used to catch you sleeping and fucking lose his mind. Like, yeah, throw his desks at you and shit. Make you stand in the corner and then like throw shit at you. It was nuts. We just had like veiled racism and homophobia and sexism. That sounds like Catholicism. Yeah. That should actually be the definition, actually. In the no, 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 no. <laughs> <clears throat> um, or not. I mean, what have they done to support any of that? Um, so, <laughs> so twelve years now. With with the Get Up Kids, did you go? Did you go to school after high school? Was there uh, undergraduate in study? Theory. <laughs> I went to to school. Well, okay. I've never. I don't think I've ever told anybody. I don't know if I've even told you this before. So I went to I went to UMKC, the University of Missouri, Kansas City, for a year, and then I went to JUCO for a year. And then I told my, – my dad was paying for school and I told my dad that I was going to go to school for a year and just kept the money and bought a van so we could go on tour. No. I even made a fake report card. What? Wow. <laughs> Wait. How did you do that? Please. How does this work? Well, my dad for lives, our my dad high lives school in New listeners, York. This is important because in the age of digital stuff, you need to know yeah, my dad lives in New York so he wasn't like – you know, I didn't have to like uh, – Hi. He wasn't checking in on no, you. No, not really. Okay. Were you cool with the report card? You like gave yourself a C. It's like C's and B's. Yeah, you know that was good. That's smart. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's smart. You know, like above average, yeah, but not excellent. Right. Uh, what yeah. were your C's in? Like, where you'd be like, oh, oh god, I don't even remember. Your dad's was, like, I know you're not. That's fucking probably great some like thing. biology or something, yeah, some science, and then like the B's would be in like, like history or oh, English. English. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, so your father uh, wasn't around growing up, or uh, he's a. I mean, he moved to Manhattan, I guess, when I was in high school. Okay. So. All right. So was it a, a child of divorce or? Yep. Got it. Yeah. About what age? Fifth grade. Okay. Sixth grade? Fifth grade. Got it. And was that? I, that like, was the other year I didn't go to, to Catholic school. Oh, okay. When they split up, I went to public school. I know said different public school. Okay. And do you have siblings? One. One, bro- one. younger, one younger, taller, bigger brother. <laughs> it's like Danny DeVito and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Wait, am I Danny DeVito? You're, Danny DeVito. Oh. You're absolutely Danny DeVito. Wow. Thanks, dude. Not in a shitty way. No, it's good. Thanks. He just he just looks big and Aryan, and <laughs> you don't. Big and Austrian. It's weird. We got off track. What? We were we were talking about how you played in my dorm. Oh yeah. 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 No. We, I, Let's we, go back to your dorm. Tell that. Tell more stuff yeah, about what happened so, there. So what happened was, um, after the tour, Matt and I had met on. We emailed a bunch, and they were touring with Mineral, and uh, Mineral had a CMJ show, and they didn't. All right. So he was like, "We need a show," and I was like, "Cool." So I just booked a show in Long Island. Um, I was living in Baltimore. I booked a show in Long Island at a bar that didn't really have shows. I just needed somewhere to do it. <laughs> the Dublin U Pub. Yeah. But it was Get Up Kids and Coalesce, mm-hmm. and that was before James was in the Get Up Kids. Oh, so you basically No, instigated... I mean, they knew each other. Yeah. Oh, crap. Yeah, we did. But James got up and tell, sang Tell it the way I said it. Though, yeah, yeah. You got James I in the I put James in the Get Up Kids. Oh, okay. That was really cool. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> but yeah, so they played that show in Long Island, and then uh, they played Wilkes Bar the next day, and that's when James killed that girl. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Get Up Kids Literally and killed Mineral stayed at my dorm sneeze. for like four days. Bless, Bless you. you. Gesundheit. Yeah. 
Bless you. Guess Duh. who's the atheist? They just kind of moved in and never left, and they played acoustic in my dorm room and ended up on. They always stayed at your house, your dorm for like four. Because you had like a dorm that was like I had like an apartment. Yeah. See, the way I always thought the story was that you know you guys like helped Mike out and you know got him to work, but now it sounds like they just basically just encroached on your space. I just wanted to hang out. Well, he was great though because he doesn't drink or anything, and we would just go to his house and. He'd let us drink in his dorm room. He's a good yeah. dude to have on tour. Yeah. He's always someone able to drive. There's a video you can find on YouTube of us performing in your dorm room, which you filmed and said would never get out. No, I didn't. I filmed it for my TV show at school. I filmed it so it would get out. <laughs> You're that's not, wrong. That's not how you pitched it. <laughs> that's not true. That's not how you pitched it. I don't See, nowadays when someone says, hey, I'm going to film something in my dorm room, it's for a completely different website that Five Come Dads for know a about. Concert. It's called Dorm Girls. Ah, those smooth-talking girls from Iowa. What will they get into next? <laughs> yeah, Mike drove me home from your bachelor party. I know. It's all that's where we. That's where we got to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't sound right. Oh, you know what happened <laughs> to your bachelor party that was that awesome? Weird. Which? Jonah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wasted. Oh, this story needs to be told. I'm sorry, Matt. This is... Mm. We should... This I got to tell you. So, since he's not here. So, yeah. we bought... Steven. By the way, Brad was at the bachelor party for 10 minutes before realizing he had had a DJ gig that he was late for and then nice. ran away. Right. <laughs> we bought Steven a lap dance from this terrible stripper <laughs> who, like, beat the shit out of him. It was fantastic. Yeah, she was, like, like, rough. It was man. funny. Yeah. She worse than the one that we got yeah, for you we'll talk at about my that bachelor party? Yeah. <laughs> well, she, this one wasn't she, pregnant. She literally just, it was like she was, she was taking out all of her, I guess, Ukrainian aggression on... No, she was, like, South American. Or some or yeah. some foreign-based female. <laughs> yeah. Let me finish. And, yeah. and just, She's South American. Just, like, like uh, for any kind of lap dance, there's... You, you said know, some, some foreign-based female. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Some like foreign female-based life form. That's so what I'm she trying. beat Steven up real good. <clears throat> and uh, everyone was kind of like, yeah, don't go near that stripper. So Jonah's wasted. And Jonah gets a lap dance from her. And we're looking over, and Jonah's, like, falling asleep. <laughs> Like Jonah's like got his eyes closed. Yeah. Yeah. He fell asleep and then Kanjemi screams, Oh shit, she choked him out. <laughs> I thought she choked him out. <laughs> but Jonah like wanders back and he's like he's just kind of staggering and he's got like a scotch. He like it was like Frank Sinatra, like he's just kind of holding it like with his pinky out. And he comes back and he looks at me and he goes, That was by far the best twenty dollars I've ever spent in my life. <laughs> Followed by we're like, really? He went, I would have paid a thousand. <laughs> and then you, if I'm remembering correctly, went, I got to check this out. So you got a lap dance from her. That doesn't sound like you. It doesn't, does it? But then came back and I was like, what was it like? And you went, that shit hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that this might have happened. Did you have a bachelor party, Matt? Uh, yeah, actually, I heard on your, your pod with Robbie talking about the outhouse. My yes, bachelor slash my wife's bachelorette party combo was at the outhouse. Wow. And so my wife got me the dance where I go on stage and they take off your belt and they whip you with it. But I, being a fucking genius, was wearing a studded leather, like heavy metal. Mm, Matt's in the S&M. So that hurt like hell. Wait, I did. I had. I was beaten on my bachelor party night as well. Yeah, horribly. Like yeah, it hurt. Of, yeah, like literally, like was, welts and shit. I had my ass was all right. This was <laughs> again. I have to get my brother back for this, and it's my brother's bachelor party coming up, and I still have to plan. Maybe you guys can help me with this. Uh, but can I recommend the outhouse? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's in a cornfield, and by stage he means the one foot platform with two by fours. In it's the corner. more of a. It's more of a like pallet. 
Yeah. You know, for like <laughs> like a shipping pallet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like jumbos in LA where there's no DJ it's the way girls worse have than that. to put quarters in and pick their own songs I from the jukebox? Jumbos. That sounds hot. That sounds high <laughs> end. I used to hang there all the time. Well, but then really? we got one we got one for Mike <sighs> and we got one for two, but then he sat on his hands. No, no, he wouldn't time touch out. her. Here's the thing with the outhouse. Let's get into details here. Now it's ten dollars for a lap dance, or for twenty you can touch them. So Matt bought me the good one. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 now. I don't think it was just me. I think Wouldn't we took up, be the we No, took I'm pretty pot. sure it was just you. Matt bought me the good one. Now, it took her three attempts to catch me in the lap dance because she started to walk over and I was like, nah, and I walked away. <laughs> and I walked away twice and she snuck up on me once and she got me. So I immediately sit on my hands and she's like, you smell good. And I'm like, Thanks. And she goes, you could touch me if you want. Your friend bought the good lap dance. And I was like, no, it's cool. She's like, are you shy? I'm like, yeah, you could stop now. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. And then Toshi DJed on her butt. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. What? She um, turned around and like, no, no, ass? she like was doing the thing where she was like putting her butt on him and he was like pretending he was scratching records. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I back that. But move. you swear you think she was pregnant. She was fat. She wasn't pregnant. <laughs> she was just an overweight stripper. Uh. Mine was, the, the beating was somebody handed, she needed a belt, and a friend of mine who was buckling it, like, mm. uh, yeah, handed it to her, which, which I still, it was Jesse, by the way. Oh. Uh, yeah, thanks. And, uh, <laughs> and she bent me over the bar, like, li- took my shirt off, which I found completely. Real quick, pause. A- For anyone listening, please take that last line and remix it. Thank you. Bent me over the bar. Not only that, right? So she did that, and she wanted to spit um, booze into my mouth, like. Uh, and I was like, first off, a, it's not happening. B, I was like, I have, I'm Purell, like I Purell like every minute, and I'm like, you're not spitting anything in my mouth. I have well, it'd be OCD. sanitary. I mean, I have, it'd be like. And she's like, what do you want me to spit in your mouth? I was like, nothing. And she's like, and then she picked. Is that what a, she opened with? Yeah, and then she picked. Um, she picked Soka, which I was like, okay, not even if you were oh. like, yeah, no, not and even if I wanted you to. So then she just poured, so so she poured Soko all over my face, just poured it all over my face, which I was like, I must have gulped down a couple, like, and I was like, oh, like I really need this. Took my shirt off, which I was like, why, why, and then threw it somewhere, and then bent me over and unleashed. Like she was standing, and my ass was facing everyone, which no one needs. Like, why, why is this even happening? And she was just. Unleashing and like, like full on, like really, like, and the buckle was getting close to nut, like level. You know, you're oh. just like kind of tagging oh. nuts, and I was like, those are nut. You're not even like. See doing- that makes that yeah. made me wince just hearing about that. And, How's your and voice so basically, now? you know, huh? How's your voice after that? <laughs> All right. The next <laughs> day, the, the next day, my ass was actually like black. I had never had. It wasn't black and blue. There was just black. Like she just killed my ass. I was at Sony and we were like shooting some, we did some real world thing and I went to the bathroom and I literally came back out and showed everybody that I was working with. I was like, you guys have to see this. Wow. They're like, what? I was like, can, I think my ass died. Like, I was like, my ass is dead. And they're like, no, no, no. And I was like, I show, I just, I pulled my pants down and I was like, it's black. Like they have to, I, I thought like I was going to have to have like cheek surgery. I've never no, heard so of pissed. anybody doing the spitting booze into your mouth. That was disgusting. Have you ever had a, you ever done a minnow shot? No. <laughs> Please tell me they put a fish in there. It, yeah. Well, okay. So if you go down to alive? like the. Hang on. <laughs> Listen, question guy. Uh. Let me tell my story. <laughs> so if you go down to the Lake of the Ozarks, which is like this man made lake in, in southern Missouri, right? Uh, there's a bar there called Big Dick's Halfway Inn. Okay. I. And, are ready? <laughs> this story wins. 
uh, and you can take your boat there. You know, it's a lake, so it's like boat boat culture. And my my buddy who plays drums in the New Amsterdam says, "Folks have a house down there." And they have a neon Bud Light sign in the window of their house that faces the lake so that when they're coming home drunk from the bar, they can find their house, right? Because it's got the sign in it. God, I love so it. So you go to Big Dick's and uh, you meet Big Dick. He's a nice guy. And you do a shot. Where Huge you, cock. <laughs> nice. He's actually a very short, diminutive man. But... I, actually, I didn't see his penis, so I don't know. Um, yeah, sure. And then you get like they have like a bowl of like minnows that you would use for like bait, and then you do a little shot and you drop the minnow in it and you shoot it back. See, that's something I, someone would get me to do. They would be like, "Do a minnow shot." I'm like, "No." And then an hour later, I'd be like, "Oh, I'll yeah, do it's it." It's not the first drink you do. <laughs> yeah, we'd be like, an hour yeah. later. An hour later, someone would be like, "Pussy," and I'd be like, "I'm doing it." I well, no, do I, it. it was the first drink that I did there because like really? that was it was a destination. Trip. But like there you, hadn't had, you hadn't had a drink uh, prior to that? No, it was like lunch. Oh. <laughs> it was That's like a lunch hard. shot. Yeah, you are a, impressive. But the minnow is alive when it goes uh-huh. into the shot. In theory, the minnow dies before you shoot it because it can't breathe in the alcohol. So right. it's a murder shot. So it's really, it's, it's both disgusting and inhumane. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fish. Yeah. Yeah. I still they don't have, have feelings. I'm still on the big dicks halfway in. See, I, I like that. that. I think it. It comes out there. But when, I notice that when they do it in print ads, it's just called the halfway in. <laughs> but, um, my girlfriend is friends with these guys that own gay guys that own a bed and breakfast. Upstate. They own gay guys? No, they are gay. Is guys. that illegal? They own a bed and breakfast. What state? Called the Stick It In. <laughs> and then behind it, they have a little they have a little cabin that you can rent, and it's called Stick It In the Rear. <laughs> I was noticed. I was watching because I get. Uh, it's really it's nice. booked year round. <laughs> it's really no. It's a really nice place. You know when people when you're bored and you want to zone out and you watch like bad reality TV shows. Well, I do that with like cooking shows. I don't really like reality. I just watch cooking shows all the time. And so I've been really into Jamie you do Oliver all the time. Not to well, zone yeah, out. You just watch much. cooking shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching Jamie Oliver and he's got this like traveling kitchen that he's turned into a pub, and it's called the Cock and Cider. <laughs> So it's a chicken and then like cider, like strongbow, right. like. Oh, that's really good. And it was oh. like, like on the BBC. And I was like, how'd they get away with that? That's yeah. crazy. Ah, oh, that's hilarious. The cock and cider. Chicken and apple juice. So oh, you know gazillion- what else happened that I didn't uh, ever tell you? Uh, hmm? um, I think maybe the reason that we had so much fun at the strip club was at the restaurant <laughs> before your ba- at your batch party at Dylan oh, yeah. Prime. In the bar, I found $98 in cash on the floor. No. And then I just bought everybody lap dances. <clears throat> And what's funny about that is that means that we were only down by almost 300 bucks because at the end of the night, my uh, very, very smart brother-in-law sat with uh, my best friend from high school who's on the straight edge team, who was sober Uh and um, uh, Josh Lord, guest Mm -hmm. on the podcast. um, And they went over the bill and through some... The bizarre, bill at the strip club? No, the bill at no. the Dylan Prime at the uh, restaurant. There was some some bizarre. Oh, I didn't eat with you guys. Oh, that's right. That's right. You didn't eat the bar. <clears> I took right. a date. I ate in the bar. I found cash, and then I met up with you. Dubin took a date to a bachelor party. <laughs> yeah. That's classy, dude. It is. <laughs> no, no, no. I ate with her. Yeah. And then I said bye, and I went to the strip club. Oh, yeah, okay. uh, that was. There were many cool. options. Well, regardless, uh, those four um, uh, Phi Beta Cap is overpaid by four hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that was the That's terrible because I'm always the guy that just trusts whatever. Like, yeah, just do, do somebody do the math and I'll yeah. just hand you money. See, like, that's here, funny because oh, I ate like, at that. Fridays after every hardcore show in Long Island and we were always short money. <laughs> <laughs> that's I another reason Christian. I don't want to go out with you to fucking Chili's. <laughs> it's not me. No, I know. But like, we played on Long Island 
on Wednesday. It's like, okay, you guys going to come out? We're going to go to the diner. I'm like, no. No, me, Aunt, Neil, and Evan went to Friday's. Yeah, but it used to be back in the day, it'd be like 30 people that oh, would yeah, go. That wasn't cool. They do, that's kind of what they do in Japan, too. It's like uh, when you tour in Japan, like the whole band, the road crew, the concert promoter, and the, the local crew all go out to eat at a restaurant in like Shibuya where, like, you know, it's like the sectioned off uh, paper walls or whatever, and you sit on the floor. And uh, our, our, <laughs> our main dude, Nori, goes up to the stage manager whose name was Now. And grabs his goatee. This is after several drinks. Grabs his goatee and takes out his uh, knife and just cuts it off. What? So his boss basically like, came up to him and grabbed his goatee and just cut the fucking thing off. It was the weirdest thing I've ever for, seen. For I just got a text from Fridays. <laughs> I'm not kidding. What? Mike, you ever roll CeeLo with these guys? No. You haven't? No, you guys no. know we CeeLo? Can tell, yeah. At Fridays, no penalty for excessive celebration. Game day, food and drinks special during the play. Oh, it's a sports See, thing. that's during the American football game on right. Sunday. I don't get uh, it. That was the, all right, we get paid now. Right? I was going to oh, yeah, say, because um, <laughs> you, you guys got the Friday sponsor. <laughs> you brought up we'll nine, I was going to say we could talk about Nick. No, because James and I, I talk I, about Nick, and I always edit it out because we don't have Nick's permission to talk about Nick. You know what I would like Nick's to talk great, about though. is. It's nothing bad. Okay. You know, well, here, so in this, because I know you went, and I had a number of friends who flew out for the the last Get Up Kids show. This was years ago. Yeah, he was my chauffeur. Okay. Because yeah. oh. we, we polished off a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue before we yeah. even went on stage. You're fancy men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. So I, I'm fascinated by the, you know, you've been a man for a while, and you decided to finally, you know, end it mm-hmm. for, for a bit. So what was the process behind, hey, let's do a final big show? Uh, closure. Mm-hmm. It was actually Ellis and our manager's idea to like do some sort of like farewell tour. And it ended up being like a year after we had already broken up, really, because we recorded a live record and then we were touring to promote the live record. And yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know. I had a lot of friends who flew out for that show specifically. Yeah. And that's really cool. So then. Follow up to that would be, you know, a few years later, you guys come back. So, what is was it like? Um, uh, I don't know, like like relationships. Well, There's a lot of people find out once the band breaks up, they're better friends. Or it's not better friends. It's just uh, like I was saying before. Like w- when I quit the band, I was I was done. You know, I was over it. I didn't even really want to tour at all anymore. Let alone certainly not that schedule. And they wanted to either do it or not do it, not take a break. And if we had just known, if we had been, or maybe I, I don't know, maybe we could have talked about it more, but it was just, we were so, I was so over it and they were mad at me and it was just like, this is it, we're out. If I never do this again, you know, that's fine. And then like three years later, it was kind of like we hadn't hung out. We went to Robin Ryan's bar, had a couple beers and we're just like, because we had to get together for some bullshit like doing our taxes or something like that where everybody had to sign it and uh which like it wasn't uncomfortable anymore you know what i mean it was just kind of like all right i mean we uh there was a reason we did this to begin with well or or just kind of like i'm not pissed at you anymore and and then granted when you go on tour again some of those old feelings come up but we're all healthy uh, you know like more experienced in life and just can be like look that's just the way that he is He's gonna be a f- he's gonna be an asshole, or he's gonna be crazy, or 
you know, James is going to hide food in his bunk. It's just like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be bossy. Like, it's just, that's just the way it is. And so we have to like, we have to find that common ground, which is usually Fugazi. And that's basically where we all kind of meet. Yeah. Except for money. Listening to Fugazi or, or emulating them? Listening to and then sort of emulating, but only musically, not. Because yeah. they did, because they went on hiatus too. They still are. Yeah. They should play shows. They really should. Not if they don't want to. I <clears throat> saw, I went and saw Archers a Loaf a year ago. How was and, that? Uh, it was good, but oddly enough, Guy was selling merch for Archers I heard about that. Yeah, you texted He's me. He's old. Well, he looked old. The thing is, though, People like do age anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it was ba- just weird. Everyone, it was bands funny don't break up really. No, they just they, take a break somebody and they dies, play shows. You know, or multiple. But that doesn't even stop sometimes. Yeah, but just sort of like, you know, it's like get up kids aren't doing anything. There's no plans to do anything right now. We're all just taking a break. But like, the only reason to do like we're breaking up is to like use it as like a marketing. To play for like the tour, you know what I mean. Going out of business, final sale. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going out of business reason, yeah. sale. Just a sale or a grand reopening. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, back to appetite. Guns and Roses has is one of those bands that's holding on to that. We're broken up. Well, Axel, is it? Would you think they would ever get back together, or would you care? Even um, I saw them play in London. Uh, we played Reading one year when they were the headliner, and he. Let's see. How did the story go? He had left his favorite pair of Doc Martens. At the gig oh, before shit. and refused to go on stage at Reading. So there's like, you know, uh, thousands yeah. and tens of thousands of people. He's just sitting backstage. <clears throat> and so they brought in a Doc Martin rep with like a truck full of shoes for him to pick out a pair of shoes. He went on, they went on like 45 minutes, an hour late, maybe. He still went on though without the specific. He, he Doc went on, Martin's yeah, he, he went on. But we saw them play and like Buckethead was in the band and Tommy Stinson's in the band. And if you closed your eyes, it, Sounded just like Appetite for Destruction, but then they have that dude from Nine Inch Nails that kind of walks like a spider when he plays guitar. Robin, uh, Fink. Robin Fink, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. just kind of like this isn't that's not Slash. Slash doesn't stand like that, you yeah. know. Like, what was the story? I think there were brawl story. Brawl knew somebody who Guns and like Axel had the new band and he had him in the studio. And he was making them learn how to play Appetite because that was the first thing they had to do before they could record. They had to learn how to play Appetite, right? Oh, I don't know. There was some story where basically like. They booked the studio, and Axel would show up like like five hours late every night. And basically, he just came in and was like, "All right, everybody learn how to play Appetite for Destruction." <laughs> and that I was heard, what, like they, he was wasting. I don't everything. think I don't. I think I mean, he's that's, fascinating, though. He's like completely like. He, I mean, he's and, a I case he's, study. Yeah, now. I think he's more of. But that, see, like, somebody when I was at K Rock and they put out Chinese Democracy finally came out. Yeah, and it wasn't anything great it's, yeah it was whatever but basically some i forget who it was but one of the <clears throat> people who had been in music for a long time had this theory that like basically that record had to come out so that then he could do the tour with the original lineup again and it had to do with like his manager was somebody who had put i forget it was irving azoff and he yeah. the story was he got the eagles back together yeah. but then he got the eagles back together and then they promptly kicked out the original guitar player so it was just joe walsh yeah and it wasn't the Eagles because the Eagles had a different bass player. So it's it's all again marketing bullshit. Yeah, and that was and the, the story. It, We're gonna get Slash and do all well, that. Well, and it makes a good story, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, Slash seems to be doing all right for himself now. So it's not like he's really desperate for money. It would just be like, but I don't know. That's an extreme situation though, because that guy's Axl Rose by all perceptions is just batshit insane. Crazy. So yeah. who knows? Right. 
who knows what it would you know it could be like right. a slash can play again but only if he's hung upside down by moon boots or something like that you know like <laughs> right. when you want to be able to say i'm so insane that you know what my favorite pair of let's say converse isn't here oh nice yeah. converse, nice plug converse brings in, <laughs> can we get a can we get a converse rep to bring in a hundred different pair of shoes for me to choose or i won't go on well i saw i went to the Guns N' Roses Metallica tour with Faith No More. Opening. I went to that. Yeah. I went to opening day. Yeah. And uh, and Guns N' Roses went on like about two hours after Metallica mm-hmm. was done. That's crazy. That, that is one of my Time Machine shit. shows I would go back though. If I, I, I would def- I missed that. I Do you missed- remember what he how, how they did November Rain? Do you remember no. the stage setup? <laughs> Steven. He, th- this is <laughs> this where I looked at left. my friend. See, at- I didn't get to go to a lot of these concerts. Like I, that was my first concert. Big ones. That was my first. Well, no, I went. I saw Metallica on the Black All right, Album first. around the room. First concert, Me, my first real concert. Metallica on the Black Album. Steven? Oh God, mine's so awful <laughs> or so awesome. Sha na na. <laughs> oh my God. Technically, the opening band, Doctor Hook and the Medicine Men. Oh. Mine was Bon Jovi Skid Row with Sam Kinison opening uh, Giant Whoa. Stadium. Whoa, that's good. Yeah. That's I heard a story one time about that tour that like Sebastian Bach had had a couple and he was kind of goofing on JBJ on stage. Really? And then John Bon Jovi came out and fucking clocked him. No way. And, like knocked him on his ass. Bon Bon? Yeah. Fucked. I would imagine because Sebastian Bach was one of those happening. guys who would hit you with a bottle. Like, yeah. You know, or he was always jumping in the crowd and yeah. punching people punching in the face. Punching people yeah. in the crowd. What was the Sebastian Bach story we heard the other day where he was he was warming up? <laughs> He, somebody was playing with him, and he was warming up in the rehearsal studio, like r- facing the wall, but then doing like stage banter, like not just like going la 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 la. la. He was like, "All right, how's everybody doing tonight? Yeah. Uh, good you to be back set. here." Like it facing <laughs> the, the wall. wall. Yeah. Oh my my God. first concert was L.A. Guns, Dangerous Toys, and Tora Tora. Wow, L.A. Guns. Wow, mm-hmm. sweet. No, what, L.A. Guns are bitching. Tracy Guns, dude, he's a rad guitar player. Yeah, no, L.A. Saw, Guns was bitching. They I were like the L.A. glam band that was kind of like, nah, fuck you. We're kind of basically bikers. Yeah. They, were yeah. part, you know, like, they, they were part. It was, it was Guns and Roses. It was Guns and Roses. It was L.A. Guns and Roses. Oh, that was the whole. It was Tracy Guns and Axl Rose. I saw I saw L.A. Guns. I can't remember who I saw them. I saw them twice. With I've seen L.A. Guns. I saw another one was L.A. Guns, Pretty Boy Floyd. The London Choir Boys and Enough is Enough. Do you remember Enough yeah. is Enough? Oh, yeah. Enough. Our, oh our symbol is the peace symbol. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were on that interview thing I was talking about. And they're like, you know, like the Beatles and, well, John Lennon really is big. <laughs> I mean, what this. What was their song? Fly, was it Fly High Michelle? Yeah. And then they had one yeah, other that's one. That's it. The other one is the one I the remember. The other one I can't, I can't remember. Fly Because I get Fly High Michelle one. and then what was the Slaughter song? Like something about angels? Fly, Fly to, to the, the angels? Fly, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Now, what, now, was, God. Who was, what I was going to say, what was your first um, like show? Like general admission, non-seated, not concert, but show. Oh, like punk rock show? It um, could be big, though. But yeah, like general admission show. You know, I'm not really sure. Um, college shows count. There was this uh, club in Kansas City called the Rumble Box, and it was open for like a year from like 93 to 94, and it was downtown Kansas City. And like, I think I learned, I saw so many shows there. I saw, <clears throat> you know, Girls Against Boys and Brainiac there. I saw Unsane, wow. and I saw, it's just like a <clears throat> warehouse, you know, it's like a punk rock show. Brainiac, I saw Casper Brotzman, that was a weird one. Uh, like all these bands, and it, I, it was like my introduction into like that kind of even like the behind the scenes stuff of like you know taking tickets and yeah putting up flyers and you know getting getting bands to come through town and there was this kid who would work there sometimes whose name was scully because he had scoliosis his name was scully 
And his cousin was a young up-and-comer who was coming on the radio named Beck. And so he got Beck As to like come. my back hurts. Yeah, like my back hurts. <laughs> it's all just back issues they have. Yeah. yeah well. So when, Lo- when Loser was a big hit, like when it was first coming up, like they had at our little punk club, they had Beck. Beck. Yeah. That's hysterical. And they had to do two shows, and there were lines down the block and stuff like that. It was fun. General mission show. I have a good GA concert story. (laughs) Fagazi Memorial Hall, Kansas City, Kansas. So the Fagazi goes on, and it's just like their stage lighting is just too... Yeah. uh, What are those called? Huh? Just like white... like Park hands. Yeah, yeah. Well, these weren't even park hands. They were like... uh, What are those lights called that like construction workers wear that clip on the side of stuff? They were like that. And so this is like... 3,000 people in this room. And uh, Ian goes like, we can't see you guys. Let's turn on the house lights. And so they turn on the house lights. And uh, then the owner, not the promoter, the owner of the building was like, you can't do that. You can't turn the fucking house lights on. So they turn the house lights off. And so Ian and Guy just go, all right, and turn the two other lights off that were on stage. And everybody in the seats jumped onto the floor, (laughs) myself included. And it was like mass hysteria (laughs) the whole time. And they were playing, what did they play? Uh... I'm not playing with you. I'm not. What's that song called? Um, that's, Turn is that turnover? Uh, sounds yeah. like turnover. No, so that's, uh, no. But it was like this just crazy, crazy thing. And then repeater, the story yeah. is at the end of that show that either Ian or like their tour manager or something got a gun pulled on him by the owner of the building. Really? Yeah. Wow. I saw I uh, saw Fugazi at the. 92 rock for choice mm-hmm. show there was like a there was a bunch of these concerts going on and so they sold a shirt and it was the only shirt that fugazi ever allowed their name to be put on and i gave the shirt to my mother who was doing playground duty at my brother's catholic school <laughs> did she wear it yep so i thought that was funny nice. but it said it said it was fugazi then red hot chili peppers then pearl jam then Bikini Kill, then L7, who was at the show I went to, was Bikini Kill, L7, Fugazi. Nice. And I remember standing in the crowd. L7, whatever happened to them? I don't know, but remember... Bikini what's, Kill's did, back. Was that Danita Sparks? Is that her name, lead singer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she yeah, fucking... That. that tampon story? Do you remember this or no? <laughs> was she... Here it is. She, uh... I might. She... Somebody was giving them shit. It was the most rock and roll fucking she thing. She took her oh, fucking tampon out. Took her tampon out and threw it at the guy's fucking face. And I was like, that's the most rock and roll fucking thing. That's so really was, not they sanitary. Should, they should... <laughs> it's like, uh... My yeah. friend Ernie yeah. played <laughs> in the band. That's pretty Shattuck rock and roll. That story. No, you ever hear of it? It was a band out of Kansas City. They were kind of like a... Kind of like a Reverend Horton Heady kind of like blues rock band mm-hmm. called uh, Tenderloin. Mm-hmm. And my friend Ernie is this big guy, plays a harmonica, and he got... This kid was pissing him off, so he just fucking dick whipped him. He just whipped out his dick and hit the How trailer. big is his dick? <laughs> I, was, I didn't see it. I just heard the story. You got to get pretty close. I mean, even if, if, that, even if your dick is... Whipping him. <laughs> I mean, that's a dick whip. Is That's got to be the worst thing to get done to you. Did that Did that just happen to me? Yeah. <laughs> did you just dick whip me? Because now my life is over. Yeah, like... What are you going to just see I that? I have to go lie down in the highway. I don't know what to do. That his nickname for the rest of his life is going to be dick whip. Oh, my God. I've never even heard of somebody getting dick whipped. You have to really, like, plan that out. Or maybe not. I don't know. I think you have to be kind of spontaneous <laughs> yeah. about it. And have a really But you have to be huge, spontaneous like, and confident. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. feel like you have to wait till the person turns around and then you can just put your dick on their head. Then, yeah, that would be even funnier. Right. <laughs> if, yeah, like, get up. it. If you, like, just get it right, you know. Or, or like, balls on their shoulder. Right. <laughs> Who is it that used to do the... Daryl used to take his dick out all the time. 
uh, in like photos and stuff, yeah. when like like, hey, can I get a picture? Because he can you? wrap it around Fuck his wrist. Yeah. Well, he would do the, he would do the watch. Right. Yeah. But I have pictures like of a, like one summer us just hanging out, and it's Daryl and my friend Mandy, and he's got an arm runner, and she's like smiling, <laughs> and he's just holding his dick. Can <laughs> <laughs> you specify it the Daryl? Doesn't here? get old. Yeah, Daryl from Glass. Daryl from Glass Jaw. Yeah, but he yeah. like <laughs> he kills me because he but somebody put out a photo of them holding. Uh, someone put out on the internet, a photo. A photo of their, yeah. No, yeah, but someone put out a photo of them holding their dick, and, and he was like, "Well, let me put out a photo of me holding my dick. This dick is enormous. Yeah, <laughs> like hangs to his knees. Yeah, yeah. It's just him, it's the nicest was, man on three legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the nuts, like the when in high school, kids used to do it, where we used to, like you'd hang your nuts out of your pants and then go up to like the teacher's desk because they were a little bit higher. Yeah. And be like, uh, can I do this? And like it would just be like, <laughs> oh, look, is this all right? Does this look okay? And like you know, every just like you know, or you, I don't know what it was, but it was like a big high school thing. <laughs> nuts out all the time or in pictures too and like the yearbook people would be like and you're just yeah. you know nuts would be out and hang then the yearbooks brains, yeah. man yeah. Yeah. Hang, that's right i remember that yeah what was it hanging hang brains. brains yeah because <laughs> your nuts look like brains you play at these like i don't weird, know what your nuts weird look kids like. houses sometimes you know and like you you kind of like you pull into some scene and like you know they have their own little traditions and inner inner jokes and kids are like uh what was it called well I'm gonna, uh, hey man i'm gonna wham jam you like what? As you stick your, if I remember this correctly, you stick your hand in between their legs and you smack their knees back and forth, and then go up, right? So that, so it's like bam, 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 bam. That's the worst. It's like, hey man, it's like you know, hey, thanks for coming to the show. That's cool. That's when you get in the van and leave. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got wham jam. Oh, you're gonna I'm not hit me in the dick. There. Cool. I'm not playing at your house. Yeah. I'm gonna wham well, jam you. Ever, you. I don't ever, know what that is, and that's basically how I'm gonna depart. Did I ever tell you the story? My friend booked. Um, did shows at University of Maryland, not College Park, but uh-huh. Baltimore City, which is like right outside Baltimore City. It's like a well, big college campus. And uh, they would do shows in the cafeteria. So he booked a show for Knapsack. Uh-huh. Knapsack got there and they were like, cool. Hey, is there anywhere around here we could get food? And like, yeah, just go back out to the neighborhood. Like, cool. They just left. Oh, really? <laughs> they didn't come back. We oh played a cafeteria with At the Drive-In one time. That was a in great show. And Fake Book. And Fake Book. It was a weird one. So the tour that you're doing now is you and Mr. Deweese. And Evan. Into it over at Evan. Have okay. you heard him? Mm. He's good. Right on. And how did this tour come about? And James seems- called me in like October. No, yeah. Maybe it was the beginning of November. And he's like, hey, you want to go on tour and make some money for Christmas presents? That was it. Love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the best way to do it. And James also appears on, this what I want to end on, your podcast. See. Yeah, Nothing to Write Home About, mm-hmm. which I learned about. By the way, the, um, I did not know that you and James were, were in town. And the uh, Going Off Track Facebook page got an email from a young gentleman named uh, Vim, I believe, W-I-M, in the Netherlands saying, hey, uh, saw the, saw the Rob, uh, listen to the Rob Pope uh, episode. Did you know that Matt Pryor and James Deweese are coming to New York? You should get them on the podcast. I was like, Thanks for the heads up. Nice. See, it's good that we actually did it separately because uh, whenever – and if you – anybody who comes to the show will, will see that like he can dominate a conversation. James? Yeah. Oh, I've had lunch with him many so. times. <laughs> That's my favorite lunch story with James Deweese. Uh, at lunch with, with the label and uh, James Oh, right, because you were you, at Fuse when he was – all that peanut butter and jelly oh, shit was, was there. going down, right? I was looking forward to discussing the ridiculousness, which we will at a later time. Yeah. So we, uh, we were at this lunch, and he's like, you want to come? I'm like, yeah, I'll come. We hang out and chatting back and forth. And James just blatantly goes, is the label buying this? They went, yeah, cool. 
I'll have two lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't want to make assumptions, yeah. you know, and then you don't want to pay for two lobsters. But it was great. It was really, really funny. Um, so uh, how long is this tour? How many days? Uh, this one's just five, and then we're going to start planning, like, some other some other things. Do He's, you like touring like that intermittently because of the kids and I stuff? Pref- well, I mean, in a perfect world, I would just have everyone come to me, and I would play <laughs> at, the, at the replay lounge every night and down the street from my house, but... Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to be gone, I'd rather be gone for like four or five days than four or five weeks, you know? Because yeah. I'm Mr. Mom when I'm home, too. So, because my wife's, she works and she's getting her PhD. So she's just like crazy. Right she's on. getting her PhD in neuroscience. She's wicked smart. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Good God. <laughs> I'm in a band. <laughs> you go to like meet like her professors and stuff, you know, like at like academia parties. Like, I- I'm in a. I'm a musician, uh, you know. Okay, so it's, I'm in a band is the worst one because that just means you deliver pizzas, and I'm a musician. Sounds like you're an aspiring something or other. So I've been saying I'm a songwriter. Yeah, yeah that's because that good. sounds sort yeah, of intellectual, perhaps. I'm a songwriter. I'm a songwriter. I totally back it. <laughs> I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so there's Matt Pryor and Mike Dubin and the. Funny thing was, Matt brought up that the outhouse, the strip club that's right there in, in Kansas, Kansas City, or Lawrence, 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 Can- Lawrence, Lawrence. And, and Johnny, you weren't Lawrence. here. I wasn't here, so. Such a drag, man. Lawrence. The bigger drag is that I've never been to the outhouse either. <laughs> only almost gone. Anyone? No one? Lawrence. Lawrence? Do you know my reference? No. No. Oh. Who's that? Someone's that's my calling robot. in who knows the reference. <laughs> is that Lawrence? Answer it. No, it's a movie quote. My dad's name is Lawrence. Is it from Marathon Man? No. Damn it. What's it from? If Brent? you know what it's from, post on our Facebook.com <laughs> account. Good, then I'm going to wait and find going out. Going off track. Uh, Matt Pryor has his own podcast out, which is called, let's see if I can remember it, um, Nothing to Write Home About. Hey. Matt Pryor. And also James DeWeese does stuff on the podcast. Uh, James DeWeese, we can't wait to have him on the podcast as well. We're going to get all members of the Get Up Kids in here. To hang out, we're gonna see who, what band we can we can fill up first. Will it be the Get Up Kids, Motion City Soundtrack, or Hot Water Music? Motion City is ahead. Yeah, they are. Three ahead. out of five. Star Chore, going off track. Fantasy Pools now. You know, the thing I liked about this podcast was that it it felt live to me. I f- it made me think we needed to do another live one. Really? Yeah, I just felt like hanging out with those guys. I don't know what it was. I felt like. Felt like I was drunk, I guess. Probably because you brought beer in. Yeah, but I didn't drink any. That's true. I think we will do another live one. I think so. Um, so it made posted. me feel like I'm like it, like I'm ready for the live. Yeah, keep, I'm ready. Keep checking out our our website and our Facebook page because we're going to do another live show, folks, and we'll let you know when. I want to thank Matt Pryor and Mike Dubin for hanging out with us. Great, great dudes, great bands, great people. We'll see you next week. Bye. Yeah!